Hello, everybody, and welcome to Alien Talk Podcast. This is where we discuss all things about aliens and UFOs, and where we always push the limits of our understanding. We are your hosts, Joe Landry and Roy Oford, here again to bring you a fascinating show out across the World Wide Web as we continue exploring the manifold topics surrounding the idea of extraterrestrial beings, the mystery of UFO encounters, the studies of paranormal occurrences, and other perplexing enigmas that seem to be happening regularly in this world of ours. Also want to wish a happy Thanksgiving to our friends in Canada. Uh, this is Canadian Thanksgiving today, or t- tomorrow actually. Um, and we're very glad to have you here with us for yet another great discussion. And when we talk about perplexing enigmas, Laurie, uh, they really don't come any bigger than Skinwalker Ranch. I mean, this place seems to have everything going on all at once. Uh, UAPs, flying saucers, cattle mutilations, crop circles, shapeshifters, monsters, poltergeists, wormholes, like everything we've ever talked about happening all in one spot, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're right. And no kidding about that. Uh, the first time I ever heard of such a thing called uh, Skinwalker was not until I moved to Arizona. I, I moved here in the summer of 1995, but it wasn't until sometime probably in 2001 that I first uh, was told about them, uh, as well as the story of the uh, Chupacabra. Uh, apparently, stories of these types of creatures are everywhere in Native American lore. Uh, they are known as the evil ancient terrors, right? Well, you're a little ahead of me. I didn't know anything about skinwalkers until I heard about them being mentioned on the History Channel. <laughs> uh, I mean, I actually didn't hear about I did hear about them um, probably some 25 years ago, but not much uh, other than that they were tied to some Native American ghost story type legends. But having done some more reading at the subject, I, I found that the whole folklore is, is actually quite sinister. A skinwalker is every bit an evil spirit as we can conceive in our minds. Yeah, that's right. Um, as some stories go, skinwalkers sometimes commit murder. Like a, uh, there's a case in Flagstaff, Arizona, where a woman was killed. Uh, it was in 1987. The Arizona Daily Sun carried the story about the, the body of a 40-year-old Sarah uh, Saganitso. Uh, being found behind the hospital where she worked. Uh, an English professor named George Adney was first charged with committing the crime and, and taken to trial. Uh, the defense counsel argued that he didn't do it and that a skinwalker had done it. They alluded to Sarah being a Navajo and she was found with a broken stick across her throat and some uh, graveyard grass near her truck. Um, the defense claimed that the two objects were evidence of a skinwalker ritual. So it didn't fly, but the professor was found guilty, but he was later acquitted. Uh, I mean, I mean, how great is uh, is the belief in such a thing that it is brought up in a court of law as a defense, right? Uh, I mean, this account can be found by uh, Joe Durbin on the website weirdus.com. Right. And of course, we know that the court didn't need to accept the belief in something supernatural like a skinwalker. And that won't happen. Uh, They needed only to find that the prosecution failed to meet its burden of proof to find the guy guilty. I guess it would be a little like the O.J. Simpson trial, where there is still no one identified as the killer of Nicole Brown and Ron Goldman. Uh, O.J. was simply found to not be guilty of doing it. I know that's a pretty controversial case and probably not the best example, but it is comparable to how 
the evidence tying Professor Abney to the murder of Sarah Sagnasto, um, despite being abundant, did not rise to being beyond a reasonable doubt. And her killer is still unknown. That's the official record for the case. Nothing else. But skinwalkers do make up a significant part of the religious tradition of many Native American tribes, like the Navajo and the Uti, and they share an ominous persona throughout the stories that are told. Well, many uh, believe that skinwalkers are shape-shifting witches that are part of the dark magic and they come here via portal openings in some special locations where a lot of them are actually reported to be on Navajo lands. Uh, others believe that the skinwalkers are stuff of, edge, of legend, legends, such as the, uh, you know, the boogeyman and, and werewolves. Now, personally, uh, since I said werewolves, wolves, the, uh, my nightmares as a kid were of, uh, werewolves. Hate them. <laughs> uh, when I first saw the, the movie Silver Bullet, it freaked me out. Uh, I watched it at my friend's house and had to uh, walk home through a small portion of a wooded area in Canada. And I kid you not, man, it was one of those harvest moon nights where, you know, it was very bright and it had some cloud cover to add to my dismay. Uh, I mean, talk about a scary and most eerie situation for a kid to experience after um, watching something like that. Right. And uh, but sure enough, when I went to bed that night, I had a nightmare of walking on a trail under a bright full moon being chased by a wolf. Uh, I tripped over a log laying across the trail and you know, I fell on my back just as this giant wolf lunges on top of me. So this dream wolf looked like the freaking wolf from the movie 300. Remember that one? Yeah, that is definitely a bad experience, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The descriptions of the uh, skinwalkers seem at times to match that of the uh, alien grays, uh, you know, skinny with, you know, flesh over bones type beings, but can move fast, etc. Um, now, I don't think they are the alien greys, uh, though, because in, uh, in Navajo, the phrase yenalushi means with it, he goes on all fours. So this doesn't match what we think of as a alien grey at all, uh, but it does possibly match a werewolf, unfortunately. <laughs> but, uh, but there are some pretty frightening drawings out there that show something that looks like a humanoid creature yet seems to have the body of a canine. So the whole skinwalker phenomenon really got thrust into the limelight most recently with the History Channel series about Skinwalker Ranch in Utah. And the show was called The Secrets of Skinwalker Ranch. And I think there are four seasons of it now, and it has Travis Taylor, one of the hosts from the Ancient Alien series. He's an astrophysicist, among other things. Now, I watched the first season so far, but, you know, that was it. To me, it, it, with its four seasons now, it's becoming too much like the, uh, the show called the Curse of Oak Island series. And that's into its 10th season now, and they are still trying to solve the mystery. So, I mean, how many seasons will it take, uh, the Curse of the Skinwalker Ranch to solve its mysteries? <laughs> yeah, no doubt. And there is money to be made in the telling of these tales. Uh, even to the point that one might say they are being exploited for that very reason and, and dragging these, you know, shows out for, you know, three, four, five seasons and, and whatnot. Um, and in these kind of matters, it also doesn't take long for people to turn to conspiracy theories. 
much like how we have with Area 51, there is a lot of urban myth about the military experimenting with different technologies at or near Skinwalker Ranch. And these include the development of advanced aircraft and weapon systems that do things that are beyond the understanding of most people, to include things like the implementation of cloaking equipment that can make an object disappear and reappear, or psychotronic devices that employ mind control, or man-made upper atmospheric and electromagnetic distortions that deceive the senses almost in the way of a hallucinogenic effect. So the premise for some of the stories can start to get pretty wild. Uh, There are also claims that the things happening at Skinwalker Ranch are basically nothing but ploys put into action by the military to scare people away, which doesn't at all sound like, you know, a security plan that the military would use. I mean, granted, things are always said to happen in installations, you know, mysteries and ghost tales, but it's not like the commanders and chiefs of staff are devising these kinds of stories for the public propaganda and to make a ploy for, you know, general population to believe it. Uh, Those guys are not that creative. (laughs) Um, No, the military and the Defense Department keeps uh, things secure by physically separating people from the location by deadly force if necessary and by controlling the information about it, namely by either confirming or I should say by neither confirming and nor denying anything about it to the American people. So ComSec and OPSEC is how they handle such matters. Uh, But of course, there is also a method called PSYOPs, uh, where they do try to control how people think and they make them prone to believe something about their capabilities as being extraordinary. And this involves tactics that are usually applied more toward the enemy during a conflict. Right. And the government does create propaganda, even if top brass may lack an imagination. There are certainly uh, other agencies that do, and they could find a way to play on people's fear by exploiting the already held belief that that place is, uh, well, you know, haunted or cursed or dominated by interdimensional portal to other worlds. Uh, And then there are some who say it is all merely theatrical hype to form the basis for uh, good television programming and movie talking. And we know that these types of shows are all about viewership and all and the almighty dollar, right? <laughs> I mean, uh, just look at the ancient alien series. W- what is it? Some uh, 16 or 17 seasons now. Um, now, now I can see the ancient aliens being different because it's asking questions and making us think about, our past and, you know, could this and that have occurred because of this and that, et cetera. It's not focused on one set place, you know, attempting to solve its mystery. Uh, there is much about the Skinwalker, Skinwalker Ranch that makes you wonder if uh, certain individuals aren't just playing on uh, popular fears and imaginations. Yeah. And, and really, there's nothing about it that is all that unique or, or new to the paranormal activity narrative. Just about every culture out there has its legends and tales about monsters and malevolent entities that roam the earth. Uh, There are the banshees and the Celtic and Gaelic lore, uh, sirens in Greek mythology, the jinn of the Arabs, the golem of the Jews, and of course the Anglo-Germanic boogeyman and all of the variants of that. Um, There is no shortage of monster stories around the world. Even shamans and witch doctors who... Uh, are nothing more than 
you know, tribes people uh, are often as you know, ordinary people, uh, and they're often said to be possessed by spirits that are wicked and devilish. You know, also consider how there are practices of black magic and voodoo, and, and they, those um, beliefs abound in the Caribbean islands. So plenty of ghost stories that go around, right? And um, what what is uh, it about this place called Skinwalker Ranch that has gotten so much attention in the last few years? And as it is, the real name is Sherman Ranch, and it is uh, 512 acres on private property that has 24-7 electronic surveillance and armed security. And it changed ownership several times since the 1930s and is now legally under the hand of Adamantium Real Estate uh, LLC. And UFO sightings started to get reported there after 1966 and were covered by quite a few journalists, one of them being none other than George Knapp, who was a renowned uh, UFO investigator. We've talked about him a few times. Um, and he actually helped bring Skinwalker Ranch into public spotlight. Right. Uh, and Sherman Ranch borders on the Unital and Ouray uh, Indian Reservation, just to the south of the small town of Ballard. It's it's not hard to fathom that it would be situated on land that is re- revered by the native peoples. Now, the CEO of that real estate company is Brandon uh, Fugel, who wanted to buy the ranch for the uh, very reason that so many strange things have been said to occur there. Now, oddly enough, the Shermans, Terry and his wife, Gwen, uh, who acquired the land almost 30 years ago, uh, it, it sat for almost a decade after the, the previous owners, the, the Myers family, had passed away. So it took a while for the Shermans to remodel the old house and completely move in. However, uh, they only kept ownership of it for uh, about 18 months. In 1996, they eagerly sold it to uh, aerospace tycoon and billionaire Robert Bigelow for uh, $200,000. And according to Hannah Osborne with Newsweek, dated April 28th of 2022, Bigelow was very interested in buying it so it could be used for the organization that he founded, the National Institute for Discovery Science, which was disbanded in uh, 2004 for reasons still not yet formally disclosed possibly from uh, tax-related problems, I guess. And its uh, purpose was to investigate the, uh, the doc- uh, and document the UFO sightings that were being reported in that area. Now, the whole thing has become almost like a cult sensation in recent times, uh, not only with the History Channel show, but there, you know, there was also a horror movie uh, that was spawned in 2013. It was called Skinwalker Ranch. And it got into an abduction storyline that follows a what it was a, called a found footage genre. And while there's a lot of people who are fascinated by this place, there are many skeptics, such as freelance writer uh, Robert Schaefer, who said that the claim to all of the strange observations uh, weren't told to the media until just before Bigelow bought the land. And there are others who say that the research going on at Skinwalker Ranch is to be deemed as fringe science especially considering that the National Institute for Discovery Science uh, was unable to come up with any proof at all after more than 10 years of monitoring the whole place. So I guess the question is, how does all the supernatural stories tie into extraterrestrial life? So Terry and Gwen Sherman, along with their two teenage kids, uh, told Zach Van Eyck with the Desert News uh, on June 29, 1996, uh, shortly after they had sold Skinwalker Ranch to Bigelow, 
and they shared their stories about what they had experienced there. And they said that they would regularly see bright airborne lights that were white in color and oblong in shape, and they would emit wavy beams toward the ground, uh, with two of them having been videotaped. Uh, Terry even mentioned that sometimes they would be seen emerging from orange discs with circular doors that seemed to open right in midair. Uh, and Gwen uh, stated that one time one of them followed her while she was driving her car on a dirt road. And the two of them uh, would say that they would sometimes hear voices coming from overhead, like from out of nowhere. Uh, they said it was in a completely unfamiliar language to them. And when it was to happen, their, their dogs would go crazy, uh, but there was nothing around. There was nothing to be seen. Yeah, that's uh, that's very interesting. That's uh, that's uh, pretty good. Uh, now, it, it got even worse, though, for the Shermans as they... They went on to allege that they had some uh, cows that were killed, too. Um, uh, three were found mutilated and four having completely disappeared. Uh, they also saw crop circles. As uh, Terry said, he once noticed a strange circular depression in the pasture west of the house. And he assumed that someone had removed a tree at some point. But then he started seeing the lights in the field. Uh, at first, he thought they might be from kids from the neighboring you know, farm riding all-terrain vehicles, and but realized that 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 didn't make a lot of sense because the ranch is isolated by uh, by three miles from the from the main road, and the access to the other property uh, is blocked by a huge uh, rock ridge. Uh, upon getting closer, he saw through some uh, some tall poplar trees that the lights had illuminated the entire side of a nearby mountain as if it was daylight and then he started you know coming across newer circular impressions that were made throughout the the vast field so it's very interesting but the problem with their story is that everything they said was never officially reported the yeah. uh, Utah county sheriff's department has no record of any strange phenomena or cattle deaths that were uh, called in so some people think that this interview was you know with the, the magazine reporter it was just done for publicity and that everything that Sherman said was just fabricated. Well, a while ago, uh, we discussed the uh, possible existence of portals and wormholes, some of them seeming to be more you know, likely to exist in certain places. So could it be that this area on Skinwalker Ranch is one of those places? Now, this could be an exp explanation for much of the phenomena that has been witnessed there. Just as there are other places where people have experienced paranormal, uh, paranormal, supernatural, or spiritual phenomena, it may be uh, attributable to energy passing from one dimension to another, such that it is uh, instantaneously jumps across space and time. So wormholes are like windows or tunnels that connect different points of the cosmos, like shortcuts. So could there be something like that, a, a vortex in the, in the space-time continuum that you know, facilitates the, uh, the movement of the transdimensional entities? Is it, It's just like how we explain what the uh, uh, ancients perceived at the time of the sightings. If they did see something, was it actually as they described it? Uh, when when telling the account to a tribe and such, so or or was it uh, you know something that caused uh, an hallucination like a trick of the mind? Could the mind have perceived a skinny looking deformed being by looking at an odd tree through a uh, foggy forest close to nightfall? 
Now, apparently, while the Shermans didn't tell the authorities about any of this, they did confide in a uh, retired school teacher named Joseph Hicks, who had done his own UFO investigations in the area since sometime in the 1950s. And according to him, he had talked to over a thousand people who claimed to have seen the very same things that the Shermans had encountered. Uh, he told them that he believed that these were all visitations from beings from another world or some other place to conduct research and exploration. We'll be back after a quick break. Hi, and welcome to Hiss and Tell, a cat podcast where we delve deep into the fascinating world of feline behavior with your host, me, Christina Wilson, a professional animal behaviorist. Each episode features insightful discussions with leading veterinarians, dedicated researchers and scientists, experts in cat behavior and training, and so much more. Join me as we decode the complexities of pet loss, unravel the mysteries of feline health and behavior, and discover the latest research findings. I'll meet you at Hiss and Tell. Uh, well, there there was also some controversial film footage of flying discs taken by a U.S. Navy warrant officer near uh, uh, Trimonton in 1952, and it showed a fireball that raced across the sky over Salt Lake City and drew considerable attention back then. Uh, also, our friends at MUFON, the uh, Mutual UFO Network, they became interested in a February 1993 incident in Iron County on the opposite side of uh, of the state from uh, Skinwalker Ranch, in which a man and woman saw a dozen UFOs, including an egg-shaped craft with a telephone pole-sized landing gear and a, a large hot dog-shaped craft. Now, after the uh, sightings, the couple surveyed the ground near nearby and found a trail of small uh, three-toed footprints in the snow. Uh, there are other markings uh, indicated that a trail might have been dragging, uh, a tail may may uh, might have been dragging behind whatever made the the prints. So these kinds of encounters are not, you know, uh, unique to Skinwalker Ranch, you know, uh, nor is the the whole legend of the Skinwalkers for that matter. It's important to note uh, there there are tales of them uh, among many. Native American tribes, uh, and it's spread spread all across the Western United States. Now, uh, Barry Carr, the executive director of the New York-based Committee for the Scientific Investigations of Claims of the Paranormal, uh, which publishes uh, the magazine Skeptical Inquirer, has gone on to say that there is no physical evidence that aliens are visiting Skinwalker Ranch, but that there is no doubt that the people have seen things in the sky that they just can't identify. Um, that means that at this particular moment, they are unidentified. And he pretty much dismisses the Sherman's account, but does indeed say it, it needs to be further investigated. Yeah, right. Um, and there is also an interesting article I, I recently read from LiveScience.com by Brandon Spector. And it was dated uh, March 15th of 2021. In it, he writes about the uh, shadow people, a.k.a. the dark watchers. For 300 years, there have been reports of tall shadows about 10 feet in height that look like men wearing hats and cloaks on the foothills of the Santa Lucia Mountains of the California coast. And they seem to only appear in the afternoon when the sun hits it just right. 
Uh, no one has claimed to have in-person contact uh, with them, of course, but people have been reported as having seen their shadows and felt as though they were being watched. Even novelist John Steinbeck has written about them. Uh, in his 1938 short story called Flight, a character sees a black figure leering down at him from a nearby ridgetop. A line from the book reads, but he looked quickly away for it was one of the dark watchers. Further on, it says, no one knew who the watchers were, nor where they lived, but it was better to ignore them and never to show interest in them. Well, it's interesting that you mentioned 10-foot tall men. So, you know, believe it or not, Bigelow was actually able to harbor up $22 million from the Defense Department to be put to use in research at Skinwalker Ranch. Uh, it included uh, to be part of the whole recent formation of the U.S. government's UAP task force. Um, and in the early 2000s, uh, he was a close friend with then-Senators Harry Reid of Utah and Ted Stevens of Alaska, who both agreed that the place deserved special attention. So it did make its way into the budget. And in addition to that, just about a year ago, in September of 2022, uh, uh, Brandon Fugel announced that he has partnered with the Hutchinson Museum Institute to better explore the environmental and archaeological significance of the ranch. Uh, of course, this is a, a way to bring more capital into scientific studies of the place, but there is something of even more intriguing here uh, about the Hutchins Museum in particular. Now, in an interview that is available on their website, uh, HutchinsonMuseum.org, Fugel says that in one of the you know, things that has fascinated him the most um, and he's a big uh, history aficionado and is really fascinated with uh, archaeology and, and Utah. But he said one of the things that fascinated him the most is the account uh, going back to the 1920s, where John Hutchins, who's the founder of the museum, had discovered the remains of giant skeletons in Utah that were eight feet tall. And he also went on to say that it was documented that they were thousands of years old and that it did not match up with other cultural records. And now being a Mormon, uh, Fugel was very interested in finding out what this reveals about some of the inhabitants who are living in North America in the distant past. But that reminds me of the Native American lore of the uh, seven to eight foot tall red haired hair giants of uh, you know the Southwest uh, out here in the Grand Canyon area and all that of Arizona. Um so, I mean, you can't help but think of the Watchers and the Nephilim when you hear, you know, about something like 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 this. So, it does indeed seem that there is an oral tradition about giants among the indigenous peoples of the desert Southwest, and and they may have uh, just known of such places and and may have had contact with these types of entities. So, we do find somewhat of a parallel to the biblical narrative in that regard. Now, Spector uh, also went on to say that uh, SF Gate managing editor Katie Dowd wrote that uh, those dark watchers in the uh, Santa Lucia Mountains were merely figments of the observers' pattern-seeking minds, and that it is all just a mental process whereby the brain tries to access um, you know, significance to what the senses are, are providing it. Yeah, yes, a classic case of apophenia, which yeah. is a process where an observer's mind, you know, finds patterns within a random uh, image, within a random assortment of, of things in an image, uh, and often forming an association with it 
to something that looks akin to a human. Uh, we experience this when we look at clouds and try to say what shape they make. And this is what you, you were talking about, Lori, with, with how people back in ancient times would have perceived what they saw and then came up with their own descriptions of it, which would be, have been based only on empirical information. So even if we were to go back just a few hundred years ago, we would see that people's worldview and epistemology were far from what they are today. So if, say, there was a cloud shaped like a gorilla and the observer had never seen a gorilla or even heard of a gorilla and didn't know what the word meant, he would obviously not say that the cloud looks like a gorilla since he would have no conception of a gorilla, uh, even if that is truly what it, it resembled. Instead, it would be called something else altogether different. And it may also be associated with a similar phenomenon noticed also in uh, Germany in the in the Harz Mountains known as the uh, Brocken uh, Gespitz or Broken Spectre, which, according to Dowd, is another infamous illusion. Uh, she claims that it happens when shadows like from a hiker are cast on misty mountaintops. If the uh, sun is behind the observer, the mist plays with the shadow, making it look huge and menacing. It's something like a giant or a monster. Right, so something is there against which the sun will cast a shadow, and that something could be a real person, or it could be someone who appeared out of a portal from another dimension. If a trans-dimensional being did appear in such a way that a, a shadow was cast, uh, the people witnessing it could very well say it was something supernatural or even demonic, as they would have no other reference from their own life experiences by which to describe it. Well, it's like that story I told you about one time, uh, some time ago now, where up in the, the Canadian province where I'm from, which is Newfoundland, the, uh, the first time a European settler in the 16th century saw a moose looking at him through the trees, he thought it was the devil. This is because he had never seen a moose before, and looking at something like what, uh, like that with its, you know, giant antlers and long, narrow face, with a, uh, like moose have this like goatee hanging down from their bottom part of their mouth, and so he associated it with the imagery, uh, the imagery of what he was taught the devil looked like. Right. Then the word and concept of moose didn't exist in the minds of the settlers. Uh, but the word and concept of devil did exist. Uh, so that would have been their only epigraphical agency to describe what they clearly did not comprehend. I mean, uh, poor Mr. Moose, he probably got shot by a musket right after that. <laughs> I don't know if he did or not, or maybe the guy was too scared and just took off running. I don't know. <laughs> but, um, but, you know, to the Mi'kmaq Indians who lived in Newfoundland at the time, they knew exactly what it was. And... It was, you know, no devil to them. Um, so, yeah, maybe the Native Americans know exactly what a skinwalker really is. So, you know, I remember there's another story a co-worker once told me uh, while we shared a shuttle ride to uh, work years ago. Uh, she said that a friend of hers was chased by a skinwalker. And this was on a lonely highway in Arizona. Now, he claims that he was driving his car and saw a strange-looking being standing on the side of the road that looked like a red-eyed, hairy monster. He was so frightened by it that he floored his car, um, like zoomed past, past it, and that's when he noticed that the creature was now keeping up with him and running alongside his passenger window, 
and looking in at him while he was, you know, driving a car at like 65 miles per hour and climbing. Um, he had to look straight ahead and expected the worst of, you know, crashing the car out of, a, you know, uncontrollable terror overwhelming him or, you know, or this thing was going to smash the window and reach in and grab him as he was driving. So, so the beast broke off the chase and let him go, apparently. So it terrified this guy so badly that he could or he would never travel that highway again at night alone. So what did this guy see that scared him so much? Uh, was this a true story? I don't know. Um, I wasn't there. And and this was told by a third party, you know, law enforcement officer at that. But um, but for her friend to not travel that road again, uh, something uncanny and bizarre must have happened to him. Yeah. Well, you know, one of the things I've heard about skinwalkers is that they can move extremely fast, you know, like, like mm-hmm. animals, like a horse or a dog. Um, so any way you look at it, the skinwalker lore is an, an interesting subject and may have shed some light on the lost history of the indigenous people of North America. So for the next episode, we're going to continue with this theme of unexplained creatures by examining another uh, similar type of, of figure, uh, which may even be the same as a skinwalker, for all we know, and that is the Mothman. Yes, the Mothman. <laughs> um, what is it about this thing that has everybody so scared? We'll also talk about how it may have a connection with another eerie creature that is known as the Chubacabra. And maybe it's uh, one and the same thing. Yeah, just in time for Halloween, right? <laughs> yeah. 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 The, uh, well, the, the tale of the Mothman got started in uh, the 1960s in West Virginia, where a flying bird with red glowing eyes and the, uh, the size of a man was, you know, reported to chase after people while, while making a screeching sound. <laughs> it, you know, it almost sounds like that. Uh, what's that thing from the movie uh, where it goes around eating people's eyes? Um, I can't remember the name of that thing. Oh, Jeepers, uh, Jeepers Creepers. Jeepers Creepers. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I, 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 yeah. You, I totally forgot about that one. <laughs> yeah. Just, just, just came to my mind. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, supposedly it was reported in, in the local newspapers and eventually made its way into pop culture. So could the story of it, like the story of the skinwalkers have something to do with, um, interdimensionality in which entities cross into our world from parallel universes through portals, which could be, you know, you know, these uh, demonic forces, I guess that that would be a, an explanation for how demons come into this realm. But it's an idea that has been proposed by ufologists as well in recent times to explain some of the sightings that people everywhere have been experiencing. So, so be sure to uh, tune into that. Uh, it should be uh, a good episode just prior to Halloween. Um, and also check out our, our website for the October newsletter. And be sure to go to our YouTube channel as we uh, um, we have that one video. But uh, we have the, the second video that uh, should be up, up and running tomorrow, uh, at least no later than Tuesday. Uh, so, but anyway, the we think you'll like them a lot. Yeah, for sure. And as it is, uh, there was actually a paranormal psychologist named John Keel who did investigate the Mothman incidents, and he went on to claim that it and other aberrations may be a manifestation of ultra-terrestrial intelligence that originates outside of our spectrum of the energy 
that we uh, thus far have been able to measure. And it might tie into the theory of the multiverse. So we look forward to joining you again to discuss all of that in detail and to see what we can learn about this phenomenon of interdimensional and ultra-terrestrial reality. So until next time, stay curious.